Philippians chapter 2. You may go there with me, Philippians chapter 2. Last week we found here in Philippians 2 that for the sake of knowing true joy as believers, we must seek unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ in the church. And for there to be unity in, in the church, it is the responsibility of every believer to seek to grow in humility toward other believers. It is our role as followers of Christ, those who say they follow Christ, should follow his example, yes, and be humbled, practicing humility, growing in humility toward other believers. And while we might think we're doing all right in this area, Satan would love for us to think that we've got this nailed down. (laughs) There's likely always going to be room for us to grow in our humility toward one another as long as we still have these earthly bodies, right, and these, and, and this uh, old nature doing battle with the new nature, if you're a follower of Christ, the Bible says you have a new man, but yet the new man must do battle with the old nature, right? And so as long as we're doing battle with the old nature, this, this is likely going to be an, an area we can grow in, growing in our humility toward one another. A.W. Tozer writes about a problem we often have where we tend to look the other way at our sins, at our own sins in our lives, overlooking our own weaknesses, our own propensity to sin. And he, he calls these dispositional sins. It says, Tozer, dispositional sins are fully as injurious to the Christian cause as the more overt acts of wickedness. These sins are as many as the various facets of human nature, just so there may be no misunderstanding. Let us list a few of them. Sensitiveness, irritability, churlishness, which I had to look that up. I was like, what's churlishness? You know, it's that uh, rudeness or mean-spirited attitude um, towards someone else, especially in a surly kind of way. So churlishness, new word, okay? Maybe try to use that today. (laughs) He says, fault-finding, peevishness, temper, resentfulness, cruelty, uncharitable attitudes, and of course, there are many more. He says, these kill the spirit of the church and and slow down any progress which the gospel may be making in the community. Many persons who had been secretly longing to find Christ, have been turned away and embittered by manifestations of ugly dispositional flaws in the lives of the very persons who were trying to win them to Christ. Unsaintly saints are the tragedy of Christianity. People of the world usually pass through the circle of disciples to reach Christ. And if they find these disciples severe and sharp-tongued, they can hardly be blamed if they sigh and turn away from him. The low state of religion in our day is largely due to the lack of public confidence in religious people. A.W. Tozer wrote that a long time ago, and, and that's still true, sadly. He's right. It's still true. I trust it's your desire. 
I trust it's your desire this morning not to be, as he calls, uh, calls us, unsaintly saints. I, I trust that's your desire not to be an unsaintly saint and not to overlook your dispositional sins. It is these kinds of sins which we easily tend to overlook and discredit and, and to make little of in our own lives. And, and they ruin our unity as a church. And, and the side effect is that they, they ruin our joy. Graciously, God has given us a Savior, has he not? The Lord Jesus Christ. Graciously, God has sent the Lord Jesus Christ not only to save us from our sins, but also to be the supreme example of humility. And we're going to see Christ's example this morning. This is where we will conclude our series of studies on true joy with the example of Christ. I can think of no better place to end the series of studies on true joy than with the example that we have of the Lord Jesus Christ, who for our joy went to the cross, who so that we could know redemption from our sins, being saved from our sins through faith in him, went to the cross and shed his blood. And we will learn this morning what true humility should look like in the lives of those who call themselves followers of Christ. The implication there, if you're a, if you if you say you're a follower, if you say you're a believer in Christ, that means you should be saying you're you're also a follower of Christ. And if you're a follower, you should be following Christ's example, right? And we have some wonderful pointers here to the example of Christ and His humility. And I suggest that by looking to the example of Christ, for the sake of our unity, we will grow up or grow down, however you want to look at, into into humility for the sake of our unity and for the sake of our joy. Look at verses 5 through 8 in Philippians 2 this morning. Paul writes, Philippians 2, verse 5, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now I see three key areas here in the text in which Christ is the ultimate example of humility. And it's clear that this is Paul's intent to make this clear to us to make this clear to God's people. As he writes to the believers at Philippi, and as God puts this in his word because God inspired Paul to write these things, these are for our good too. And I I think it's very clear that this is Paul's intent, to point to Christ as the example for believers to follow. As he says in verse 5, look at verse 5 again, have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. In other words, you can have this attitude. You can have the mind of Christ because it's possible through Christ, through faith in Christ. This is yours. This is possible for for all who put their faith in Christ. It's possible for all of us who put our faith in Christ to have the mind of Christ as we live in this world, imperfectly as it may be because we're still battling sin. It is possible. And so Paul clearly states that we are to have the same mind. And, and, I, and what he is suggesting here, what he is saying here, is that we're to have the same attitude. 
the same attitude. You can't have the same brain, okay, that Christ had. You can't think exactly the same thoughts that Christ thought, but you can have the same attitude, and that's what he's pointing to here. We're to have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had when he came to this earth as a man, born as a babe, grew and became a man, and then he served. And we who believe in Christ are called to learn to demonstrate the same humility that Christ demonstrated as he lived in human flesh, God in human flesh, on this earth. It's as we heard Paul say last week in verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So here's how we learn to look to the interests of others as Jesus Christ did. As Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, this is the first key to humility as seen in the example of Christ. And it's this. Note it. Surrender of self. Surrender of self. I want you to look again at verses 5 and 6. Paul writes, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Let's think about this for a moment. We learn here that Jesus Christ was in the form of God. Now, what does that mean? It means, as Warren Wiersbe says, that Jesus is the outward expression of the inward nature. Now, what, what is Jesus' inward nature? His inward nature is that he is God. Okay, so the inward nature of Christ, even though he's in human flesh, is that he is God. He did not cease to be God when he took on flesh. It's just as Christ made clear when he spoke these words that we, that we hear him speak in John 10.30, saying, I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. So this phrase in Philippians 2.6 form of God, it points to the deity of Christ, that he is God. But also in verse 6, his deity is affirmed in the phrase equality with God. Do you see that? He is equal with God. Why? Because he is God. But the phrase here in verse 6 says, and here's the whole phrase, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, Instead of clinging and hanging on to his privileges as God, Jesus was willing to set aside his privileges to come to earth as a man and to die on the cross for our sins to be our Savior. He was willing to set aside all the privileges that were his as God. Jesus Christ surrendered self. And that's the first example that we need to look to. If we want to learn to be humble toward one another, growing in our humility toward one another for the sake of our unity and for the sake of our joy, we need to look to Christ and have the same attitude that Christ had, that Jesus Christ surrendered self. And as followers of Christ, we are to have that same attitude, that same mind of Christ. If Christ did this, we must. I mean, think of it. After all, we don't have the same rights and privileges. Would you say that you have the same rights and privileges that Christ does? God in human flesh? I don't think so. But there are times when we demand our rights, 
right? We feel like we have rights and we want to protect them, and there are times we cling selfishly to our rights instead of looking out for the interests of others. But we have far fewer rights than Jesus does, and yet sometimes we act like we have more rights than Jesus does. That's a, that's a ploy of Satan to keep you from growing in humility. Don't let him win that battle. Look to Christ. What we need is to be humbled by the example of Christ here. Be overwhelmed by this. Be challenged by this. Be instructed by this. Jesus Christ surrendered. He did not have to. He, he willingly surrendered his rights and privileges to the splendor of heaven to come to earth to live as a man. And all who trust in Christ as Lord and Savior are called to have the same mind, the same attitude. We're to have that attitude that Christ had. We're to be growing in that attitude which Christ demonstrated. And we're to have it toward one another, toward our brothers and sisters in Christ in the church. And so following the example of Christ, growing in our humility and looking to the interests and needs of others will require that we surrender self. Our unity as a church, as believers, depends upon this. That we cannot be constantly running around defending our rights. We must be looking to the needs of others like Christ did, surrendering self. We must learn to surrender self. Our unity depends on this, as does our joy. Now, I want you to note the second key to growing in humility, which is found in verse 7. We must become a servant. There's a progression here. First you surrender self, then you become a servant. We don't like that kind of language, but this is, this is the language of the Bible. This is the language of God's word. This is how God speaks to us about our own lives. And this is, the, this is the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the attitude with which we're to grow in having the mind of Christ. Look at verse 7 again. Become a servant. Jesus Christ did. Verse 7 says, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So Jesus Christ, fully God, don't ever forget that, Jesus Christ, fully God, became became fully man. And the phrase made himself nothing means that he, by doing so, he emptied himself. Now don't, don't misunderstand this, he did not empty himself of his deity, he did not empty himself of his godness, he did not stop being God, but he did empty himself of his self-interests. He emptied himself of his, his privileges, and he did so to take on the form of a servant, even though he was still fully God. Imagine that. God in human flesh coming and being a servant, humbling himself. Some have wrongly interpreted this verse to mean that Christ laid aside some of his deity. He did not. That's very clear when you come to a passage like Colossians 2.9 where it says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. God in human flesh. Jesus Christ fully God. He did not lay aside and empty himself of some of his godness, of some of his deity. Fully God. Think of it. That ought to humble us. That 
Jesus Christ, fully God, would become fully man and humble himself and become a servant. So Christ, fully God, fully man, and as a man, he became a servant. Jesus said of himself in Matthew 20, verse 28, that he came not to be served, right? Not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus Christ made himself a servant, and he demonstrates for us the humility that we must have, we must learn to, to live with, live as an example of Christ's example. Jesus Christ making himself a servant and demonstrates for us the humility that we must learn so that we too can look to the needs of others. We aren't here, get this right, okay? We, we aren't here to be served. I know that some of us come to church for the first time and we start coming to church and we think there's something here for me. And yes, there is. God's Word is for you. God's Word proclaims truth into your life to change you from the inside out. First of all, to help you to see your depravity and your sin nature so that you might repent of your sin and believe in Jesus Christ and be saved. And then the Word moves into your life to make you different like Christ, like the Lord Jesus Christ, because by the power of the Word and the power of the Spirit that takes up residence in the life of the believer, God's Word works. And so you come here, sometimes we come to church and we think there's got to be something for me here. But do you realize that once you become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are called to be a servant? You're called to serve And we aren't called here to be served. We are called here to be servants. And our unity as a church and our joy as believers depends on this being fixed in our minds properly, that we would have the proper perspective, that we would have a proper understanding of what God's Word teaches us, that we don't come to be served, we come to serve. But yet, by God's design... Our needs are met as we serve, as we humble ourselves before God's word, and as we become servants for the Lord Jesus Christ, for the, for the sake of the gospel, God moves into our lives and meets our needs. It's incredible. It might seem counterintuitive, but what God calls us to is not coming to have our needs met, but he calls us to come to, to serve others for the sake of the good news of Jesus Christ. And through our obedience, God blesses and he gives joy and he meets our needs. It's the attitude with which Jesus served the disciples when he washed their feet is what we're called to. As we hear Jesus say in John 13, verses 14 and 15, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, You also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Jesus became a servant, and and he clearly calls us all, all who trust in him, all who name the name of Christ. He clearly calls us all, all who follow him to do the same to become a servant for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the good news of Jesus Christ, for the sake of glorifying God with our lives. And God reaches down and blesses 
our obedience. He gives us joy when we honor him with our obedience. So the challenge for us will be to not ask ourselves, how can I be served today, but how can I serve today? How can I become a servant? How can I best serve others in obedience to God's word? And if we will become servants for the sake of Christ and for the sake of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, then we will learn also to look to the interests of others. And if we will do this out of obedience to God and for the sake of our unity, we will have joy. Now look at verse 8. Verse 8 is where we see the third key to growing in humility. Following the example of Christ, we must also learn to sacrifice self. Sacrifice self. Verse 8, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So think of it. Jesus Christ made the ultimate sacrifice. And he did so on our behalf, that we might be saved from our sins. He willingly laid down his life to pay the penalty, which we deserve to pay for our sins. He paid it for us. Jesus Christ sacrificed self. This too we must learn. If we're going to know unity as a church and joy as believers, we must learn following the example of Christ, to sacrifice self. That's not what you hear in this world, is it? The world, the world that we live in says, <laughs> protect yourself, guard yourself, keep, keep your own rights, keep them close, you know, stand up for your rights. Look out for yourself, look out for number one. God's word says just the opposite to believers in Jesus Christ. God's word says trust and obey. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust him. Take obedient, active steps, and God will bring blessing and joy if you will trust him and take steps of obedience to humble yourself before God and your brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't come to be served. Come to serve. And if you're going to serve, you're going to have to learn to sacrifice self. Jesus Christ did. Dr. J.H. Jowett once said, ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. If there is to be any blessing, there must be some bleeding. He goes on to relate, at a religious festival in Brazil, a missionary was going from booth to booth examining the wares, a religious festival. He saw a sign above one booth, cheap crosses. He thought to himself, that's what many Christians are looking for these days, cheap crosses. He says, my Lord's cross was not cheap. Why should mine be? Just think of it. Jesus Christ suffered death on a cross. Do you understand what that means? To die on a cross in Jesus' day... This was punishment reserved in Rome for those who were non-citizens and of the worst kind. Death on a cross carried great shame. And it was on a cross that Christ suffered. 
And his sacrifice makes it possible for all who believe in him to be forgiven their sins and to inherit eternal life. Our salvation came at a great cost to our Savior, Jesus Christ. There was absolutely nothing cheap about it. And that is the good news of Jesus Christ. That is the good news, what we call the gospel. I would ask you, this is a wonderful time for you to stop and think, do you know Christ? Maybe you don't know Christ today. You've just heard the good news that Jesus Christ died on a cruel cross so that you might be saved from your sins. Eternally escaping the just punishments that, that, that's yours because, because your sins are an offense to God. But God looked at that offense and he saw Christ. He sent his son to die in your place, to take the punishment for your sins. If you've not trusted Christ, you should do this now. Why wait? Be overwhelmed by what Jesus Christ has paid for, taking your place for your sins and trust him now. You can do that even now. Expressing in your heart to God your your faith in Christ. If you do that, I want to talk to you. I want to share with you how you can continue to grow in your newfound faith in Christ. Do not take this lightly. Do not take this lightly. Do not ignore this if you don't know Christ. Think carefully about the good news. Because our salvation came at great cost to our Savior, Jesus Christ. There's nothing cheap about it. Now, Christ modeled true servanthood for us. And once you become a follower of Christ, and all who name the name of Christ need to look to Christ for this supreme example of what it means to be a servant. Jesus Christ modeled true servanthood. He made the ultimate sacrifice on our behalf. Jesus Christ is the greatest example of humility there ever was or ever will be. And God's not calling us to top Jesus' example, but to follow Jesus' example. And as followers of Christ, we are commanded to follow this example just as Jesus Christ willingly sacrificed self. We've got to come to a point, believers, where we can say, I'm willing to give up my rights. I'm willing to give up my self-perceived and self-protected privileges to serve to meet the needs of my brothers and sisters in Christ, to serve to meet the needs of unbelievers who need Christ. Because as followers of Christ, this is what we're commanded to do, to follow Follow the example of Jesus Christ, that he, he willingly sacrificed self, God in human flesh. And he calls all those who have been rescued from the flames of eternal punishment and separation from God to, to be humble to the point where they say, I too can serve because Jesus Christ served me. And if we're to know unity as a church, And if we're to know joy as believers, then we must follow Christ's example, learning to surrender self, becoming a servant for Christ to others, and learning to sacrifice self in that service to others. All who name the name of Christ are to make this their aim. And hear me on this. If we will, if we we will make this our aim, we will experience the joy of unity 
in the church. The blessings will be manifold. The blessings will be many because God blesses those who obey him. This unity will be found as we seek to grow in our humility toward one another. May it be our prayer. May it be our desire. May it be our aim today for our attitude to be like the Lord Jesus Christ's attitude. And may we follow his example of humility as followers of Christ. For the sake of our unity in the church, and for the sake of our joy as believers, may the mind of Christ be ours today and always. Let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, we praise you. We thank you for the example of Christ. We thank you for the shed blood of Christ, that he willingly went to the cross and suffered a cruel death, being cruelly beaten and bruised and torn and nailed to that cross, taking on himself the punishment and the weight of our sins. The multiplied punishment of our sins on Christ. Humbling himself, coming not to be served, but to serve and to be a ransom for many. And for this, we praise you, God. Lord, if there's any here today, who have not trusted in Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that you would make this wonderful truth very clear to them, very clear to their hearts that Jesus Christ saved, that they died, that they might be saved. Jesus Christ shed his blood that they might be redeemed and made new, and so that they might know the joy of the Lord as they walk in obedience to his word. So, Lord, I pray, Make very clear to our hearts what Jesus Christ has accomplished for us. And for every believer today, I pray that you would help us to humble ourselves before Christ, humble ourselves before your word, and humble ourselves before you in prayer, asking for your help, your wisdom, your encouragement, your strength, that we might grow in humility toward one another, that we might know unity in this church, and that this unity might be a wonderful example of of the power of Christ to change sinners, And then that we might know joy because we've obeyed you, because we've honored your word, and we've honored the Lord Jesus Christ. God, we pray that you would give us strength and wisdom for this. And as we leave this place today, help us to look carefully at our own lives and the lives of those around us and, and looking to see how we can serve others for the sake of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and for your glory and for our unity and for our joy. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.